Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. On the screen behind me will, will be a scripture I want us to, uh, to, to start off with today. It's a scripture found in 1 Kings 3, verse, verse number 5, and it says this. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, I want to ask you today, if the Lord was to appear to you and to say to you, you could have anything that you want, what would you ask for? If you could have anything, what would you ask for? Because all of us have desires. And for some people, they are good and they are wholesome and godly desires. But for others, they are bad or selfish or inconsequential desires. But in this message... I want to talk to you about how we can cultivate spiritual desires. And that is the title of my message today. It'll be up here, Cultivating Spiritual Desires. And a passage that speaks about that is that one found in Mark 10, which is the last recorded miracle in the Gospel of Mark, Mark 10, verses 46 to 52. But just so you know where I'm coming from today, there are some desires I am not speaking about. And I just want to very briefly just go through a list of some of the desires in Scripture that I am not speaking about today. Firstly, the Bible speaks about the desires of the flesh. All of us know that when Jesus comes into our life, He comes in through the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us an empowerment to live the Christian life. So we've got the divine nature within us, but we are human, which means we've got these two natures who, as Paul said here, are at war. And our flesh, our, our human side has desires that are contrary to the desires the Spirit gives us for the things of God. And there is a battle going on. For example, when you're driving down the road and some moron cuts in front of you, you will have a desire of the flesh to tell this guy where he came from and where he should go. That's a desire of the flesh that we must crucify and keep under control by the power of the Spirit. And so the Bible tells us what to do with the desires of the flesh. It's quite graphic. It tells them, don't don't gratify them, crucify them, put them to death. But today, I'm not talking about the desires of the flesh. Another desire in Scripture are the desires of the world. Uh, The Apostle John wrote in 1 John 2 verse number 17 and said, the world... And its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. And John specifically names these desires. He goes, they are the craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements or possessions. He goes, those are the desires of the world. Oh, we want this and we want that experience. Oh, oh I need that new iPad or a new home or a new, new boat. We're just always craving for something. Or oh, we swell our chest and say, well, I have a PhD or I've got this beautiful car. He said, those are the desires of the world. He said, but as Christians, we don't live for those things because they will pass away. We live for eternal realities. Although we're in the world, we are no longer of the world, we doubt we now have a different value system. But today, I'm not speaking about the desires of the world. Also, there is a thing in Scripture called the desires of self. 
these uh, selfish desires. I, 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 me, 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 my rights, my, my requirements. I want this and I want that. And sometimes we, we, we need to remember Galatians 2, verse number 20 that says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The Christian life is not about me. When I gave my life to Jesus, I relinquished my rights over to him. I invited Jesus to come in and sit down as the Lord on the throne of my life. So today I'm not speaking about the desires of self, nor am I speaking about what the Bible calls the evil desires of youth. 2 Timothy 2 verse number 22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth. That if we just give in to the natural impulses that we have, it will lead to uh, impurity, loose words, loose, loose living, loose morals. But that verse goes on to say, flee those things, but pursue righteousness, faith and love and peace, along with all those who call out of a pure heart. But today I'm not speaking about those desires also nor am I speaking about those inconsequential desires. Those things may not be evil, but they have no eternal value. For example, on the screen up here is my favorite car. I love Aston Martins. This is James Bond's car. But I am in a faith-based ministry, which means I'm in the wrong profession to ever have a car like that. I mean, I could like them. I can have all the desires in the world, but they will never come to pass. Another desire I have is up here. This is my football team. This is the Richmond Tigers. This is my team. And I know that here in the heartland of rugby league or thugby league, as they call it, uh, you don't care less about that. But I have a desire that this team would win every week. But every now and then, there's a demon-possessed team that comes along and beats my team. But if we are constantly just living for the inconsequential desires of life, we will not be doing anything of eternal value or significance at all. But today, I am not talking about those negative desires, but today I want to talk to you about those spiritual, positive, godly desires, that things that lead to things like Christ-likeness, maturity, uh, destiny, the church growing, the, the kingdom of God coming, the, the realities of God invading our world. How do we cultivate those desires that come from Him? And this story brings us face to face with a man who cultivated spiritual desires. Allow me to read it to you, Mark 10, reading from verse number 46 to 52. It reads like this. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and called him. And so they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. 
And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So just, just before we begin to unpack this story and apply it to our lives, uh, let, me, let me just give you an, an, over, an overview of the story. So in verse number 46, Jesus and his disciples are leaving Jericho, the very small town of Jericho, on their way to Jerusalem. As always, they're surrounded by a large crowd. And the hustle and the bustle attracts the attention of a blind beggar called Bartimaeus. In verse number 47, maybe he inquires or someone tells him that all the commotion is about a man called Jesus of Nazareth. Evidently, Bartimaeus has heard of this man and what happens through this man. So he begins to, he begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And in verse number 48, the, the noisy beggar didn't arouse any sympathy at all. They did not admire his attempts to attract the attention of the miracle worker. On the contrary, they kept, the crowd told him, pull your head in, shut up. But I think there must have been something Aussie about Bartimaeus. Because when they told him to shut up, it says he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse number 49 there was something about this beggar's cry. Maybe his acknowledgement that Jesus was the Messiah because he called him the son of David. Or maybe his cry for mercy impacted Jesus. And the Lord stopped in his tracks and called out to Bartimaeus to, to, to come, come over to him. And the crowd suddenly changed their tune. Oh, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Verse 50, Bartimaeus walks up unaided all the way to Jesus. And in verse number 51, Jesus asked him this intriguing question, what do you want me to do for you? And before we begin to look at Bartimaeus' response, I want to draw out the first principle here for how we can cultivate spiritual desires. What can we learn from Bartimaeus about cultivating spiritual desires? And number one is this, we've got to overcome the barriers. Overcome the barriers to, to the desires that we have inside of our heart. You will, you will notice some things, and they'll be up here in a moment, about Bartimaeus. What he had to overcome before he even began to articulate what his desire was. He had to overcome his lifelong condition. Verse number 46 says, he was a blind man. Lifelong condition. This is the way he always had been. This is the condition that he probably had all of his life. But what we learned from Bartimaeus was that the way that he was, was not an impediment to his desire. He desired something greater than what he'd been all of his life. And what we learn from this dear man is that desire fuels the reality that there is something greater than what we are experiencing right now. And so many people don't desire change or transformation or intervention in their life because of the way that things always have been. 
It's like our circumstances seduce us and anesthetize us to say, this is the way it always has been. This is the way that it always will be. But with Bartimaeus, he'd heard about Jesus. He'd heard that everywhere that Jesus goes, the blind eyes are being opened and deaf ears are being opened and dumb tongues are speaking and the lame are walking and the dead are being raised. There was something in Bartimaeus that had to overcome the barrier of what he'd been all of his life. He had to overcome the barrier of his lifelong condition. He also had to overcome the barrier of his present position. For it says there, verse number 46, sitting by the roadside begging. Maybe this was the only dimension or perspective of life that he had ever experienced on the side of the road begging. But what we learn from him is that where he was was not an impediment to his desire. His desire was something greater than where he'd been the whole of his life. And what we learn from Bartimaeus is that our desire fuels the reality that there is somewhere greater than where we are in God right now. But often what happens is we just accept the way that things are as, as this as well, this is how life is meant, meant to be for me. And often we disqualify ourselves because of how we see ourselves or how other people see us. For everybody in that crowd, he was just another beggar and this guy happens to be blind and sometimes we can do exactly the same thing well I'm like this or I'm like that or I did some things and you know this has all come round and this is my own fault but I want to encourage you today to begin to begin to let your desires rise up in your heart that the way things are at the moment don't have to be indication of what things will be in your life ahead but like Bartimaeus he's blind he's a beggar he doesn't know any different. But there was something within him when he heard about Jesus that he was coming past that said, I know that Jesus can bring transformation to my life. I know that Jesus can absolutely turn my life around. So he had to overcome the barrier of his present position. He had a desire in his heart. He also had to overcome the barrier of people misunderstanding him trying to silence him, trying to curb or to water down his, his desire. When he called out, Oh, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse number 48 says, Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. It was like the crowd was saying, and maybe you have heard this as well, Can't you see what you are? You've always been like that. How many times have you prayed before and God hasn't answered your prayer? Why don't you just stop being so emotional and calm down? Please don't make such wild assumptions that Jesus will take any notice of you. Oh, shut up, Bartimaeus. Jesus hasn't got time time for you. Or maybe like Joseph's brothers, it's like, oh, here comes that dreamer. But what we learn from Bartimaeus is this. Our desires are not quenched by the negative, small-minded people around us who cannot understand what is inside of our heart and what our faith is believing God for. And despite all these negative people, Bartimaeus had a desire and he called out because he knew that this was Jesus of Nazareth who was passing by. 
And my encouragement to you today is to be very careful who you listen to. Be very careful about the voices that you let into your heart. Because sometimes there are some people who believe it's their God-given right and gift to tell you every human reason why God can't answer the prayer that you have. And I want to encourage you, don't listen to those people, but listen to people who have a belief in the God of the Bible, a God of the miraculous, a God of intervention, a God for whom nothing is impossible at all. You may have heard the saying that there are some people who are so narrow-minded they can look through a keyhole with both eyes. I don't want to listen to to people like that. I want to be around people who have a big glimpse and a big understanding of the greatness of our God. You know, I heard recently the pastor's been preaching on Ephesians and my favorite verse there is is chapter 3, verse number 20. You know, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think or desire, to him be glory in the church both now and forevermore. Our God is not limited by the things that limit us. Our God is not limited by gravity. He's not, he's not limited by science. He's not limited by finance. He's not limited by opinion polls. He's not limited by anything. Our God is greater. So I want to encourage you today in the name of Jesus, even though every voice around you would be saying to you, hey, calm down, stop believing for the audacious. I want to encourage you today, believe for the extraordinary because our God created the universe. Our God, is in control. Bartimaeus had to overcome the barrier of negative voices around him. He also had to overcome passive faith, what I call intellectual faith, just a mere belief that Jesus can do, can, can, can do things. 40, in verse 47 it says, When he heard that it was Jesus, he began to shout. When they told him to be quiet, he shouted all the more. Bartimaeus must have been tempted to reason, well, I've heard about this Jesus of Nazareth. He does amazing things. And if he wants to come over to me, he knows where I am. You know, I'm on the side of the road here. If he wants to heal me, it will happen. There would have been a temptation for this man who's been blind all of his life, who's only known the one perspective of life, to sit back passively, knowing that Jesus could change things, and just say, well, if Jesus wants to, he can come to me. But on the contrary, when Bartimaeus heard that, that this, this was Jesus, he began to shout. He didn't just have an intellectual faith that said, I believe that Jesus is a miracle worker. He had an active faith that says, I believe that Jesus can change my circumstances. I believe that Jesus can intervene. I can believe that Jesus can do extraordinary things. And so many Christians today, they want breakthrough. They want Jesus to do something in their heart, but they sit back passively and just say, well, Jesus knows where I am. He knows the seat that I'm sitting in. And if he wants to, he can come over to me and touch me. Today, I am urging you, begin to awaken your God-given desires. Begin to resurrect your long-prayed prayers. Begin to cry out to God today for His intervention in your life. Begin to cry out for Him. I also want to encourage you to remove the word just from your vocabulary of prayer. 
often hear, hear, hear people pray, oh, Lord, we just pray that you would do that. Or we just pray that you would do that. Almost it's like we're imposing upon God, putting a limit upon God. Oh, Lord, we just want you to do that. It was uh, J.M. Barry, the author of, 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 of Peter Pan, who said, just is a candle-snuffing word. Just is a limitation uh, on, on a candle-snuffing word. I want to encourage you to get rid of that word and begin to pray audaciously and boldly. I thank God that when Jesus died and he went into the heavenly sanctuary and he took the sacrifice of his own blood as the great high priest, he made a way where there was no way so that now we can come with boldness and confidence into the most holy place. And he doesn't just want want to come as supplicants or beggars oh please Lord we just pray for this we now have got that right by his grace and his mercy and his kindness to come with boldness and confidence today I want to ask you lift your voice and begin to cry out for God to do extraordinary exceedingly great things in your life and circumstances today let your faith be awakened and this is what I feel that God wants to do in this church he wants there to be a new season of faith. He wants to do things in this community that will astound people and bring glory to Him and show how great He really is. But there needs to be the cry of Bartimaeus in this place. So he began to shout, all the more, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Then something really powerful happened. In verse number 49, it says there, Jesus Stopped. <laughs> That's powerful. Jesus stopped. I want to ask you today, do your prayers stop the Lord? Is there something so heartfelt, so compelling, so desperate that it stops the Lord, that it gets the attention of God? And what we learn from Bartimaeus is this that our desires must never be half-hearted or passionless or adopting the attitude, oh, well, if God wants to do something, He knows where I live. No, what we learn from Him is that our desires must be prayed desperately with heartfelt passion and with a compelling sense from our heart. Desire, by its very nature, is not passive. It cries out to God for the intervention of God. So Bartimaeus walks up, up to Jesus because Jesus stopped. And that, that leads me to my, the, the second principle I see in this passage that we can learn from Bartimaeus about how we can cultivate those spiritual desires. Number two is this. Be specific in prayer. Be specific in prayer. So I, I want you to picture the scene. Here are the narrow streets of the ancient city of Jericho. Jesus is walking by and he's being, being flanked by all of this great crowd. And Bartimaeus has called out to him. Jesus has stopped and said, call him. And Bartimaeus has left the cloak, the symbol that he's a beggar, and he's walked unaided all the way to Jesus. And then Jesus asked him an intriguing question. Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you. Now, when you first read, read the story, you know, we, 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 we know, according to the narrative, that he's blind. And Jesus asked him, 
what do you want me to do for you? And we ask the question, wasn't it obvious to the Lord that, that he was blind? Of course it was. So why did Jesus ask the question? Jesus knew he was blind, but why did Jesus ask the question? Because he wanted Bartimaeus to articulate his faith. Bartimaeus could have said, Lord, I need some more money because these people just walk past me every day and they don't even look at me anymore. I'm just part of the furniture around here. He could have said, I need a new cloak because the one I've, I've been, been lying on is worn, it is weathered, it is no good anymore. But, but no, Bartimaeus knew exactly what he wanted. And he didn't just want something that a person could give him. He needed divine intervention inside of his life. And what we learn from, from this story is this. God doesn't just give us what He sees that, 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 that we need. And God doesn't just give us what we need. He also gives us what we ask for in believing faith. He gives us what we ask for in believing faith. So Jesus asked him, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus replied, Oh, Rabbi, I want to see. Rabbi, there's a part of my life that's not working at the moment. I'm not all that I could be in you. I want my vision back. I need divine intervention. I need your hand. Oh, God, I want to see. And I want to ask you that same question today. What is it? that you really want. And again, I'm not talking about selfish, worldly, uh, fleshy desires. I'm speaking about good and godly desires. What do you want? What is it that thing that you need today? Do you need intervention inside of your family? Do you need those unsafe family members who seem further away from the Lord now than ever to come back to the Lord? Or maybe today you need a healing in your body. Or maybe today you need the intervention of God in your workplace. I don't know. But my question is this, what do you want? When you begin to have a look at Scripture, you see so many people who had good and godly desires. For example, Abraham desired a son and he prayed for an heir. Rachel specifically cried out to Jacob, give me children or I die. Joseph desired to save his family and that his bones would be taken back to Canaan. Moses desired a glimpse of God and he called out, now show me your glory. Joshua desired conquest and that he and his house would serve the Lord. Caleb at 84 knew what he wanted but he said, give me this mountain. As Samson with eyes plucked out, chained between two great pillars, called out and had a desire, oh give me strength one more time. David said, One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Solomon called out that God would give him wisdom and knowledge that he may lead the people of God. Elisha was asked Elijah, Oh, give me a double portion of your spirit and anointing that, that is upon you. The Shunammite woman knew what she wanted when she got hold of Elisha's feet and said, I'm not going to let you go till you come raise up my boy from the dead. Esther desired success as she went before the king to plead for the Jews. Nehemiah prayed for favour as he went before the king to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Zechariah and Elizabeth desired a son. The repentant tax collector said, have mercy on me, a sinner. The prodigal son desired to go home to be in his father's house. The apostles in the upper room
room had a desire for whatever God had for them. I ask you again today, what do you want? What is it that thing that you are hungry for? And what we learn from Bartimaeus is be very specific. Know specifically what it is that you are believing for. And Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, I want to see. I need divine intervention inside of my life. And maybe here today, you need divine intervention in your life, but you've just sat back passively just thinking, well, God knows, and if He wants to do it, it'll happen. I'm going to encourage you to learn from this man and begin to activate your faith and begin to cry out today for more of Him. Thirdly, the last one. A third thing I see in this passage we can learn from Bartimaeus about how we can cultivate those spiritual desires is express faith with the desire. Express faith with, 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 with the desire that you have in your heart. Or in other words, when you ask, when you pray, desire with believing faith. When you ask, when you pray, ask with believing faith. You will notice some things, and they'll be on the screen up here, about the, the very anatomy of Bartimaeus' faith. His faith was despite his condition and his circumstances. He had faith in Jesus, even though he was blind, and he'd been in the one position year after year after year. And maybe at the moment you are believing for something, but all of the external evidence is against you. Maybe that, that loved one that you've been praying for seems further away from Jesus now than ever. Maybe that need that you have in your finances or your work workplace just seems so far away. Or maybe at the moment the diagnosis, the prognosis just seems so bad. I want to ask you today, despite those things, focus on Jesus. And Bartimaeus heard Jesus of Nazareth was walking past. And friends, what we need to remember here today is the same Jesus of Nazareth is right here, right now, that walked the ancient streets of Jericho. He is here, and He has been raised from the dead, and He lives in the power of an endless life. And He's here through the person of His Holy Spirit, and He is real, and He is powerful. And we have the right and the authority to use His name. I want to encourage you today to focus on Jesus and whatever you are believing for today. Don't just focus upon the visible things that are against you, but focus upon the invisible God who is for you today in Jesus' name. His faith was in response to hearing that it was Jesus who was walking past. And whenever you hear about Jesus and get a glimpse of Jesus and a revelation of Jesus, it activates faith inside of your heart. And I would encourage you to do the same as well. Today, focus on on Jesus. Don't focus on your own faith. Focus on Jesus. He focused on Jesus. He verbalized his faith in prayer, for he began to shout. And I want to encourage you to begin to let those, your cries begin to come out to God. If there's prayers you once prayed, but you've stopped praying today, resurrect those prayers and begin to believe. I really believe, and I prophesy this today, that you're at the start of a season where God's going to answer long prayed prayers. When you're going to begin to see faith activated in this place and extraordinary things that cannot be explained unless there is a God. Verbalize it in prayer. 
We also learned here that his faith was not suppressed or quenched or crushed by the negative people around him. I love Bartimaeus's faith. Everyone said, shut up, just be quiet, pull your head in, don't you realize what, what you were? But he shouted all the more. It was not crushed. His faith was very specific. He knew what he was believing for, and it was filled with an expectation of a greater dimension in God. So the result of overcoming the barriers and being specific in prayer and expressing faith, verse number 52 reads, Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Your faith has healed you. So in summary today, everybody in this room has desires. And for most people, they are good. But maybe today you've got some desires that are not so good. But what we've been focusing on are those good and godly desires that are in alignment with his will and purpose. We've had a look at this man called Bartimaeus, and we've seen just three simple, profoundly simple principles from his life. We've seen that for him, he had to overcome the barriers. He had to overcome all the things that were against him to express his desires to God. We learned, secondly, that he had to be very specific in prayer. Rabbi, I want to see. He wanted something that no man could do. He wanted something only God could do. And thirdly, when he asked, he asked in believing faith. But I want to close, I want to close with this. Maybe many of you are asking the question, how do I know that what I'm asking is in alignment with the will and the purpose of God? How do I know that what I'm asking is in line with, 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 with God, God's will? Here's some ideas for you about how, how we can align our desires with, with, with God's will. Firstly, if you've got wrong desires, abort them. Or as the Bible says, crucify them, put those things to death. If you've got desires you know are inconsistent with the word and the will of God, put those things to death. Secondly, to align your desires with God, primarily desire God Himself, not His gifts not his blessings, not his anointing, not none of those things, but primarily desire God himself. There's a big difference between seeking God's hand and seeking God's face. And many people only seek for God's hand. Oh, God, touch me. Oh, God, heal me. Oh, God, provide for me. Oh, God, intervene in my life. Oh, God, do this and God, do that. And well, God is gracious and God is good and God will stretch out his hand. But there's a whole other dimension to seeking God, not just seeking what He can do for you, but seeking Him for who He is. And the psalm says, Psalm 37 verse 5, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. So primarily desire God Himself. Desire the things, thirdly, desire the things prescribed in Scripture. Things like Christ-like character, where Jesus said, Hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. Hunger for the will of God. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I desire to do your will, O my God. Desire the spiritual gifts. For it says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Hunger for the things prescribed in Scripture. Fourthly, and on that basis, remember the promises and the encouragement of Scripture that if we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, all these things will be given to us as well. As we delight in the Lord, He gives us the desires of our heart. We stand upon the promises of God. And the last one up there. 
for us to align our desires with the, with, with, with the will of God is this. Don't give up, but persevere. When you ask, keep on asking. When you knock, keep on knocking. Just keep on ask and seek and keep on seeking. Just call out for Him and don't give up. Many people pray to prayer at the altar and because nothing happens in a couple of days, they think, well, it can't have been God's will. Therefore, I just let it go. What we need to do is continue and to persevere in prayer. And I'll tell you why, because God is more concerned about what He's doing in you than ever what He gives to you. God is more concerned with our development than He is with, our, with, with just gifts and blessings. And He wants us to persevere in prayer because it's what we discover of Him in that journey will alter the rest of our lives. Our God is here. The same Jesus who healed Bartimaeus is right here, right now. And I really believe that God wants to minister to people today. Oh, my time is gone. Uh, that God wants to minister to people today. And, and I just want to join my faith with yours and believe that we would see the supernatural intervention of God like Bartimaeus saw that will revolutionize your life because God wants this church to come into a whole new season of faith where you begin to see the things that you have been believing for and extraordinary things. But it starts with a simple cry, have mercy on me. Would you mind standing with me, please? Sorry to wake you, but if you wouldn't mind standing. And if you could just, just, just close your eyes for a moment, thanks. As we stand in His presence, in the presence of God, what's the one thing that really impacted you this morning. The one thing, the one principle, the one thought, the one scripture that really went into your heart today. Would you please just take a minute just to process that. What's the one thing that God was saying to you today that you need to do about what I've been preaching about today? And then I want to pray over you and join my faith with your faith and believe for the touch of God in your life today. Just, just take a moment, please. with their eyes shut. Picture Jesus and Bartimaeus. And Jesus asked him the question, what do you want me to do for you? And if the Lord was asking you that question today, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to awaken your response, your, your desire. Maybe it's intervention in a loved one who's away from the Lord. Maybe you need divine intervention in your health or in your family or circumstances or finances. I, I, I don't know. But just very quietly, I just want you to begin to express your desire as Bartimaeus did. Just let it cross your lips quietly. Just say, Lord, this is what I'm believing for in you today. And then I want to pray over you in Jesus' name.
friends today, just put your faith in Jesus. Focus on Jesus as I pray over you today. Lord Jesus, we are in your presence. You are here. Our faith is in you. We know that you're the God for whom nothing is impossible. Today, we lift, Lord, our desires before you. We commit our desires before you. And Father, I join my faith with the faith of people as they are reaching out to you today. And I call upon your name for your intervention as you touch Bartimaeus. And because of his faith, he was healed. I pray that today you would awaken faith in the hearts of people to believe for your supernatural, imminent, Lord, divine, miraculous breakthrough in their life and their circumstances. I pray for every family member that is represented here that is away from you today, Lord. I pray for your intervention that you would touch their heart. I pray for something extraordinary, Lord, to happen within them. I pray for those who need healing in their bodies. The Lord, today you would do something, I pray, miraculous in their health. Those who need intervention, Lord, in their workplace, whatever it might be, that they would begin to know your divine hand reaching in. And Father, today we give you glory and we give you honor for what you are about to do. In Jesus' name, amen.